friends. Welcome to Listen Friend, the pop culture podcast where we share the opinions no one asked for. Everyone needs a friend who's loud about the things they love, and we are yours. I'm Britt. And I'm Amanda. And we are pumped and also sad. <laughs> and Sadie is panting, but you're going to have to put up with it today, friends. Uh, it's just, so we usually record on Sundays. It is Tuesday. Um, and it's also a Tuesday on the week after we originally intended to record this. Mm-hmm. So, you're getting just... I'm sad because this is not one that I want to put forth, like, the rushed effort. Yeah. But I like, don't think that we're going to be rushed. Right. It's just that, like, we need to do this today. Your research is not rushed oh, whatsoever. No, 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 no. But, like... But, like, it's like, we're going to have to record it. We're not going to be able to take... The amount of time and care, which ha 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 ha. I feel like people are like, <laughs> like at like, home being care. like, time and care? This isn't slapped together? And it's going to be, instead of being edited over the course of several days, it's going to be like rush edited mm-hmm. in one. So, um, not that we are, you know, professional level. <laughs> Absolutely ever. not. No, not this at is, all. This is a hobby. Remind, like, as a reminder. Yes. But it's going to be even more so this week. And that's not what this episode deserves. It's okay, though. It's going to be okay. Today we're talking about Elvis. It's our, our very special Elvis tribute. Last week we went in <laughs> on the movie. This week we're going in on the person. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is like a special episode commemorating the, is it the 45th? Yes, I was going to say we, last week, um, definitely did math wrong and said 46. We can't math, it's fine. Does your job entail math? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. I was going to say, neither of us have jobs that entail math, and I was like, hers definitely Anytime somebody's like, what do you do? I'm like, I don't really know. (laughs) (laughs) My job definitely does not entail math. Um, I don't know what your excuse is. I use a calculator. There you go. (laughs) Yeah. I just have to know how to multiply. I I need to know how to press buttons on a calculator. Is it? Check. You got Um, it. Anyway, so before we get to... The good stuff, though. Well, it's all good stuff. Before we get to the meat in the sandwich. <laughs> I don't know. Why do y'all let me speak? I need to be like, you know how some podcasts have that person and they're like, oh, yeah, Jeff's nodding his head right now. Jeff agrees with us. And you're like, who TF is Jeff? <laughs> I sometimes need to be Jeff. <laughs> I talk way too much. Nah. Um, We don't have any recommendations for y'all this week because all we've done is watch Elvis or rewatch things we've already talked about before. Okay, so some pop culture things that have happened since the last time um we recorded. Dylan O'Brien read Thirst Tweets for BuzzFeed. That was fun. I'm going through all of the E News things. Um Sean, this was technically like a couple of weeks yeah. ago, but we haven't recorded since it happened. In our last episode we talked about how he canceled like three weeks of his tour for his mental health um but we were really hoping that he he would be better um because we were gonna go see him in October but then he did end up canceling the entire tour so um so we are obviously sad that we don't get to see Shawnee baby but um you know 
we want him to take care of himself, so. When you said Shawnee baby, it sounds very <laughs> much like Corey Matthews doing like an old grand, where he's like, Shawnee baby. Yes, yes. Um, oh, no. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so we um, are sad, but also. We know, want him to take care of himself. For sure. And he gave us our money back, so. He that did. That was nice. <laughs> and we're going to use that money to do fun things. Yeah, for sure. That you will hear about soon. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so Taylor Swift has addressed her 2017 copyright lawsuit for Shake It Off, which I wow, think... Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, I think it was... The, and it's the dumbest lawsuit to me. Um, y- y'all know we love Taylor Swift, but I'm about to go in for a second. So, she's getting sued for the line, Player's Gonna Play, because I think I think the band is 3LW. I don't have the article in front of me, so bear with me. They're saying she stole that line, which to me, that is uh, like... Haters gonna hate, players gonna play. Like mm-hmm. that's just that's, that's just a phrase. Yes, yeah, people say that. If anybody should be suing her, it should be Matt Nathanson, because his song "I Saw," which came out early two thousands, mm-hmm. has the line "I forget about you long enough to forget why I need to," mm-hmm. and any big Taylor Swift fan knows the song all too well. Mm-hmm. Has the line "And I forget about you long enough to forget why mm-hmm. I need to." Yeah. Um. But her, I know I saw one comment where she said, you can't, you can't steal a lyric you've never heard. So she's claiming she never heard the 3LW song, which I, other than the promises, <laughs> I can't even say. Promises? <laughs> no. Prometheus? No. <laughs> what are you trying to say? She's, <laughs> we're going to have to put a flag. She you said, <laughs> no, I know what I said and I said what she said. Prometheus? <laughs> Hold on. Hold on, I promise you. I need just for clarity. She she says Prometheus. <laughs> anyway, other than that, I don't know that I have ever known a three LW song, but like <laughs> Taylor can't say she's never heard a Matt Nathanson song because during the Speak Now tour. She had, I think it was Come On, Get Higher. One of his, you know, she that's the tour where she would write the lyrics, like, down the length of her mm-hmm. arm. And she used his lyrics before. So, like, that yeah. one. But he did yeah, not see her, sure. so. And he totally could have. Yeah. That was nice of him. Yeah. Well, I I don't know. I feel like he's probably Seems a jerk. Like a but I also, <laughs> I also love him. Yeah. <laughs> so, there's that. Um, let's see. Pete Davidson is in trauma therapy because Kanye West threatened him on the internet. Well, and he and, and, he and Kim broke up. That too. Which, good, that's, that's he's better for oh, it. Oh, 100%. But, and I know I said that, like, lightly, like, oh, Kanye bullied Pete on the internet. No, Kanye was, like, threatening to kill this man yeah. on the internet. And, like, Pete Someone Davidson. Someone go get Kanye. Right, and I'll go get Pete because he <laughs> looks like Lowly Worm a little bit, like if Lowly Worm had a troubled brother. Mm-hmm. But um, I love him. Me too. I think he's precious. Um, okay, let's see. Tyler Cameron's back on the market, but not for long because I'm gonna be sliding in the Smash him up. Um, did you see my Instagram story where I was like, yes. emotionally, I'm here and I stick figure Drew? Yes, you're so. I haven't done that since um, Chris Pine. Mm. I did that for him once. Um, and uh, Camila Cabello has a new boyfriend who's not Sean, and we're sad about it. 
Okay, your turn. The day after Sean's birthday, too. Oh, I know. Poor Sean. I'm sad. He's sad. I still think they'll get back together. I hope so. But I said the same thing about Joe Jonas and Taylor Swift, and look at us now. (laughs) Not at all. Um, Okay, the only other thing that I have is that Olivia Newton-John passed Mm -hmm. away yesterday. I'm very Um, sad about it. Me too. She was only 73. She had breast cancer, is that Mm -hmm. correct? Um, For a long time, like battled it for a yeah i mean like 20 years something Mm -hmm. like that Mm -hmm. um super sad you want to know something what that i probably shouldn't share no i literally just found out yesterday she's australian i really didn't know because like my she has an accent in greece did you think it was fake i don't think i've ever paid attention greece is not really one of my favorites so i've only seen it a few times I'm not, here's where we're, I was just talking earlier about how, like, you and I are so similar. Yeah. And then when we're different, we're so uh-huh. different. I'm not usually big on the musicals. Right. Yes, and, like, I know. there is something about John Travolta that just really That's, like, really me, the only time that I like him is in Greece. It, it just, there's just something. And I'm not like, <gasps> you know, like. No. I don't know. I just never could, I never noticed, like, in my brain, she's just American. Mm. So, so sorry to Australia, (laughs) and also sorry to to Olivia Newton-John. Um, I, on the other hand, am going to the Grease sing-along on Thursday. Oh, you're (laughs) gonna cry. Oh, I'm gonna cry for sure. I've been, let's see, this would be my fifth opportunity to go to this since I lived here. They do it every year. At the Capri? uh Uh-huh. Which is like a, um, independent movie theater, um, in town. And the first two years that I lived here, I went... And then the next year was COVID, and then the next year, I just don't think I went. So, and I thought about going again this year, but I wasn't sure, um, just because, you know, it's also fun to stay home Mm -hmm. on the couch. (laughs) 100%. Because I'm tired. Um, But, yeah, but then once I found out about Olivia, I was like, I'm for sure going. Yeah. Because, like, it's going to be emotional. Like, it's always super fun and cute and happy, and, like, it will be, but it'll also be, like, a little emotional Mm -hmm. and sad. Mm Mm-hmm. So... Was it that or Top Gun we were supposed to go see that night I had the mental breakdown and stayed home? Uh, Top Gun. I was Top Gun, okay. Which I I did end up going. I don't know. Yeah, you, like, everybody went but me. Okay. (laughs) It was not, it was a group thing. And I was just like, sorry, I can't come. And everybody's like, what's wrong? And I was like, I'm crying in my driveway. What do you want? Oh, I remember that. You remember? Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't, welcome back to therapy with me. Mm Mm-hmm. I do this every time. It's okay. I'm just not going to get a therapist. I'm just going to talk about my problems on this podcast and and for free. Okay. okay. We have no other business matters to attend to. Just, just Elvis. Just Elvis. We ready? We're unhinged, by the way. We were just talking last night about, I don't know, we were going back and forth about how sad we are. Uh-huh. And I was like, is this like... Is this who we are now? Is this how, how sad we is? are about Elvis or sad in general? I mean, in general, but specifically <laughs> Elvis. Elvis. Yeah, yeah. But specifically since Thursday when I started preparing for this podcast, I have truly done nothing but mm-hmm. look up stuff about Elvis, mm-hmm. watch documentaries about Elvis, watch YouTube videos of Elvis, um, read things. My entire Instagram like suggested for you page is mm-hmm. Austin or Elvis. It's a lot. Um, I. Didn't sleep well the other night because I was, like, having, like, I didn't, I just didn't sleep well, period, but it was, like, anytime I was, like, semi-awake, Elvis things were, like, running through my brain. Last night, I literally had a dream that I was Priscilla, so, you know, it's just, 
It's a so lot. So we're going to lock her up soon. <laughs> Literally, I texted Brent and I told her all about the dream. And I was like, so, like, is it time to take me to the mental hospital? And I said, if it is, can I come with you? <laughs> with um, roomies. roomies. Um, but, yeah. So, we ready? I think so. Okay. So this is going to go pretty... Uh, Amanda's in charge. But, like, the goal is something similar to, like, our Betty White. So mm-hmm. this is just going to be not funny... You, probably. <laughs> I was going to say, know? I mean, like, we might say something I mean, funny. we I might, know. but, like, the goal is not to make yeah, you we're laugh. Not trying to, yeah. The goal is to educate you yeah. on the life and career of Elvis Presley. Yes. All right, friend. Here we go. Okay, so Elvis Aaron Presley. My mom last night said something about Aaron, and she was like, you know that was Elvis's middle name. And I was like, do you know what I've been doing for the mm-hmm. past? Well, first of all, do you know me? One, do you know what I've been doing for the past five right. days? Um, so What's I'll, the official spelling? Of Aaron? Uh-huh. Of Elvis's Aaron. A-A-Ron. A-A-Ron Blanque. Um, ten seconds after I said I'm not going to make you laugh. Um, okay, because I've seen it. It was spelled wrong on the military form, right? Um, I don't know. Because isn't it on his tombstone? as A-R-O-O-N? Aaron? A-R-O-N? I don't know. I'm looking it up. I'm looking it up. Because, you know, it's, like, in the mo- in the Elvis movie that we just saw, yeah. the draft papers have A-R-O-N. Mm. And so I was like, I think that's right. Like, I think I remember seeing before that it was, that it was spelled technically wrong. Mm. Um, but you don't need that extra A anyway, so it's fine. <laughs> but then at the end of the movie when it's they did their, like, his Elvis little Presley, epitaph yeah. thing, yeah. It, they spelled it. Okay, on his tombstone, it's it is spelled... Um, A-A-R-O-N. Yeah. Oh, okay. okay. So, he was born on January 8th, 1935 in Tupelo, Mississippi. He and his family lived in a tiny little two-room shotgun house that his dad built. 35 minutes before Elvis was born, his mom had his twin, and that baby was stillborn. His name was, um, Jesse. What was... Go ahead and say his middle name. <laughs> I assume Garen, right? I like that they were like, Elvis Aaron, Elvis Aaron and Jesse, Jesse Garen. Yeah. <laughs> I would have watched that show. <laughs> um, but yeah, so he was super close to his family, especially his mom. The They went to an Assembly of God church um, and gospel music, and that style of music was very inspirational and influential for him. Um, his dad was kind of just moving from one job to the next, and um, they definitely were in a poverty situation. Um, they had to rely on help from neighbors and the government, and then in 1938, um, they lost their home uh, when his dad wrote a bad check. And he went to jail for eight months, and Elvis and his mom went and lived with relatives. In 1948, when Elvis was 13, they moved to Memphis, um, trying to move somewhere that had more career opportunities, especially because after being in jail, his dad had a hard time, like, keeping employment. Mm -hmm. Everything that I read, essentially, by all accounts, he was average. Like, Nope. He wasn't, but, like, everyone There's viewed him. There's nothing average about that man. No, but everyone viewed him as, you know, like, mm-hmm. he was, like, average at school. He did, he failed music in school. Like, he failed music class. He did apparently do some talent show at some point, and people were like, oh. And so, like, he got, like, a little more popular. But other than that, nothing, nothing's really significant. He did start to stand out because in his junior year, he um, started, like, growing his sideburns and styling his hair um, in that signature Elvis look. Um, and he spent a lot of time on Beale Street in Memphis, and he l- would look at the clothes 
um, that were like bright colors and like flashier at this store called the Lansky Brothers. He like was into a variety of music, of course, country music um, being in the South and then very into gospel music still. And then there was like the white gospel music, but then there was also the African-American spiritual music that he was interested in as well. And then there were regional radio stations that played um, African-American music, whether it be like spiritual, blues, um, rhythm and blues, that kind of stuff. So he listened to a lot of that as well. Specific influences on him in the rhythm and blues style were Arthur Crudup and Rufus Thomas. Um, and B.B. King talked about the fact that he knew Elvis before he was popular because of the time that Elvis would spend on Beale Street. Um, and then by the time he graduated from high school, he had decided that this is what he was going to do with his life. Okay, so Sun Studios was records. Sun Records? Mm-hmm. <laughs> what is right? Sun? Right? I think so. I don't know why I'm confused. Sam Phillips. Um, that was his record label. Elvis went there to record something for his mom as a gift. And so, obviously... They um, got to know him there, and the receptionist um, asked him what kind of singer he was, and he said, I sing all kinds, which is true. And then when she pressed him about what he sounded like or what his sound was, he just kept saying, I don't sound like nobody. Also true. Can you imagine? And now, like, literally nobody sounds like... No one. Truly nobody. Nobody sounds like Elvis. So then uh, Sam Phillips asked the receptionist to write down his name, um, and her commentary was, good ballad singer. Hold. And that's it. Yeah. <laughs> um, which I thought was so Can funny. you imagine if you had been the receptionist? No, not at all. And, like, how long... It would be, like, that thing from Pirates of the Caribbean where he, like, gets the scroll out and you think it's just going to be, like, a regular scroll and then it just goes and goes and goes and that would be all your notes. Yes, for sure. So he tried to... He, he like, really would have been interested in being in a gospel quartet um, and he auditioned for a vocal quartet called the Songfellows, but they told him... He told his dad, they told me I couldn't sing, and basically it came down to, like, he wasn't great at harmonizing at that point. So he went to work for Crown Electric Company as a truck driver. And then Sam Phillips at Sun Records was on the lookout for someone who could bring a broader audience. So basically like the sound of black musicians to a white audience. And so he got a ballad in that he thought Elvis would do well at and brought in other musicians. And so they set up a recording session. And basically the session was like fine. It wasn't super eventful until... Elvis started singing That's Alright, which was an Arthur Crudup song. Um, Arthur Crudup, I mentioned a minute ago, was one of his influences. And so he started, like, singing and jumping around and dancing and all that stuff. And so then the other guys kind of, like, fed off of it. Um, And they were like, okay, like, this, there's something here. And so, of course, that dancing and wiggling and moving around Mm -hmm. and all that stuff he was doing was called, like, rubber legs. Or There's all kinds of, like, names that ended up it being referred to, I guess. So that was his signature dance style, which was really just for him, not something that he was necessarily consciously, like, trying to do. It was more like a response to nervousness Mm -hmm. and a way to just, like, get into the music. And it was just kind of his natural reaction uh, because he enjoyed the music. Um, So then once he started performing in front of audiences... Um, because that's all right. Ended up being a huge hit, and then he was wearing his like wide cut pants. So then that like made the movement all like extra. Mm-hmm. So then all the girls started screaming for him. So obviously, he kept doing it. He went on the Grand Ole Opry, but like that, no one cared. Like 
the Grand Ole Opry was almost too, like, highbrow for mm-hmm. what he was doing. Can you imagine the Grand Ole Opry being too highbrow? Absolutely not. But, like, think about, you know, the people who would literally stand there with, like, their guitar and not move and just sing the songs. Great songs. Great singers. But, like, this young... But, I mean, that's what it was. Yeah. But, and, like, know. this youngin comes in, they're probably like, well, what is, you know, like... Right. And we also have to... What year is this? Fifties. The 50s? Yeah. So, like... Nothing moved from the waist down in the 50s right. anyway, mm-hmm. less people get defiled. Mm-hmm. That was just the culture. Yes. So, he ended up going on to the Louisiana Hayride, which was basically the rival of the Grand Ole Opry at the time, and it was a little bit more adventurous. And so, there was television broadcasts of that, and there were tours that went along with that, and at that point, that is when he met Colonel Tom Parker. Hate him. Hate him. Uh, May he roast. We'll we'll get into that later. And Elvis considered him to be the best promoter in the music business. And so, yeah. Country music stations were playing him, but then some weren't because it sounded too much like a black artist. Um, Rhythm and blues stations would sometimes play him, but then others were not because they thought he sounded too much like a country artist. So then that kind of came... Out of that came a new genre essentially called rockabilly Mm -hmm. he's not the only one to do this but Mm -hmm. he is a pioneer in this Mm -hmm. new genre tom parker is like okay well we're gonna make you an even bigger deal than sun records Mm -hmm. um we're gonna take you to rca and rca acquired elvis's contract from sun records for an unprecedented forty thousand dollars elvis was 20 years old Mm -hmm. when this happened so his dad signed the contract um and then it just all took off from there uh, with hits that everyone, not everyone, most people know. Mm-hmm. Heartbreak Hotel, Hound mm-hmm. Dog, Blue Suede Shoes, Don't Be Cruel, Love Me Tender, All Shook Up. All of those great 50s songs. He also signed a seven-year contract with Paramount Pictures because he wanted to be an actor. And he wanted to be like a serious actor. Mm-hmm. Like he really wanted to do like serious work. Mm-hmm. And he's a good actor too. Like a lot of singers, like they're like, I'm going to act too. And you're like... Okay. Yeah, well, sure you're you not are. good at it. <laughs> yeah. Um, he was good. He was like good. he was a natural. Mm-hmm. Some of those movies uh, in that first seven-year contract were uh, Jailhouse Rock, Love Me Tender, and King Creole. Okay, this is just a example of how he was causing some distress amongst the nation. <laughs> um, amongst the nation. <laughs> so in Wisconsin, he did a show, and an urgent message on the letterhead of a Catholic Church um, newspaper was sent to J. Edgar Hoover, who was the The FBI FBI director, that said Presley is a definite danger to the security of the United States. His actions and motions were such as to rouse the sexual passions of teenage youth. After the show, more than 1,000 teenagers tried to gang into Presley's room at, at the auditorium. Indications of the harm Presley did um, were that two high school girls had their album, album had their abdomen and thigh signed by Elvis. Here's the thing. Can you, first off, I mean, it is the 50s, but, like, FBI, don't you have, like, a serial killer yeah. to <laughs> Don't you have other stuff to do? Like, don't you, I mean, like, the fact that we're like, oh, man, this man's too sexy. Yes, that is The crazy. FBI needs to be called. Isn't that crazy? Right. That is crazy, like, considering is what is happening today. calling the FBI and <laughs> no. be like, oh, you know what, that Harry Styles. Right. His yes. pants are too close right. to his nipples. 
Like, yeah. can you imagine? No. But also the hip action on Elvis, like, oh, yeah. 100% For very sure. sexual. I'm not mad at it. No, no. Um, okay, so Ed Sullivan, his variety show was the most popular in the nation. He mm-hmm. said that Elvis was unfit for family viewing. And then at some point, Elvis was termed Elvis the Pelvis, which he thought was super childish and immature. Because but, it is. Because it is. Because, because other shows were booking Elvis and making a booty ton of money, Ed, Ed Sullivan um, was like, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll get him on here too. But we just like, we'll only show him from the chest up essentially yeah um, just for reference for people who don't understand like who ed sullivan is yeah. i know like we're probably the only people under true. 50 true probably under 60 um ed sullivan is kind of like sort of like the ellen before she was scandy yeah or like jimmy fallon yep like ed sullivan is responsible for bringing the beatles to america yes yes like he had sway and like very influential in talk shows being what they are. Exactly. A hundred percent. So the first time Elvis went on there was September 9th, 1956. It was seen by approximately 60 million viewers. So like not even that many people. I mean, people have TVs in their house, obviously in 1956, but like, it's not like where it's a staple in every Right. It's not like today where you have a TV in every every room. room. Yes. You were lucky to have a TV in your house. 60 million viewers and 82.6% of the people who had TVs watched it. Mm -hmm. That's insane. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's like Super Bowl numbers. Yes. Um, So, in 1958, Elvis was drafted into the Army, and he said that he was looking forward to his military stint. Like, was he? I don't know. But he said, the Army can do anything it wants with me. He was, like, very, like, Mm stand-up, all-American, U.S. citizen about the whole thing. Mm -hmm. His mom was diagnosed with hepatitis um, in August of that year, and she got worse pretty rapidly. Uh, Remember, he and his mom were very close. He was given um, emergency leave to visit her. And got there on August 12th. And then two days later, she died of heart failure when she was 46. Ugh. Yep. That's... She apparently also had a drinking problem. Mm-hmm. So. So then Elvis goes to Germany um, for the military. He came back on March 2nd, 1960. And on March 20th, he went in to RCA's Nashville studio and cut um, Stuck on You, which was immediately, like, rushed and put out and became a number one almost mm-hmm. instantly. This I love so much. So May 12th, ABC aired Frank Sinatra's Welcome Home Elvis show. So Frank had a variety show. Frank Sinatra had a variety show. And um, it's so it's so cute. The whole show, I've watched the whole thing. It's so cute. Um, and 41.5% of the television audience watched it. And he performed Stuck on You on there. And, like, so cute. So good. So... Colonel Parker has now pushed Elvis into heavily, like, a filmmaking schedule. The movies, though, are, like, very formulaic and not very well budgeted, and they're kind of just, like, musical comedies. So, at first, Elvis was like, no, 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 like, I want to do more. But then they did try some more dramatic movies, and they were not as successful, so he went back to kind of just going along with the formula. Mm -hmm. And even though that was, even though the formula was, like, generic mm-hmm. and cheesy it made so much money right so of course like uh, someone said uh how wallace who was one a producer said a presley picture is the only sure thing in hollywood he was like the highest paid actor in hollywood mm-hmm. for these dumb movies you know mm-hmm. just because mm-hmm. he was elvis um, they are fun movies. oh yeah i love them it's kind of like 
the formulaic is right. It's kind of like like a Nancy Drew or Hardy Boys yeah. book where you're like everyone's different, but they're all the same. Yes, that's what it is. But yes, doesn't matter. I love them. Same. Um. So the movies would always have soundtracks that came out, and then they would literally rank number one on the pop charts. Mm-hmm. I can't really imagine a movie musical coming out and ranking number one on the pop charts today. Maybe like The Greatest Showman. Yeah. Yeah. Certainly not Cats. <laughs> No. But like songs. Or like Hairspray back in the day. I yeah, feel yeah, like yeah. Goodwill. That's true, that's true. Or High School Musical. But like not consistently. Consistently, yeah. So, but there's like some of his most popular songs that everyone associates him with that were part of these films. Mm-hmm. Like Can't Help Falling in Love, Return to Cinder, Viva Las Vegas. But yeah, so that was just very impressive considering what he was working with. It just says a lot about his popularity. Mm-hmm. The only, like, new material that he put out during this time frame was his gospel album, How Great Thou Art, and that won him his first Grammy Award for Best Sacred Performance. Right before Christmas, um, more than seven years since they first met, so Elvis met Priscilla, um, his only wife, in Germany when he was in the Army. And then, um, like, over seven years later, um, around Christmas 1966, he proposed to her, and they got married on May 1st, 1967. And then his only daughter... Only child, a daughter, Lisa Marie, was born on February 1st, 1968. So, like, directly nine months later. <laughs> um, yeah. And, uh, but at this, which is all great, but, like, this was a time that he was not very happy with his career because of basically all he was doing was just... Right, those, and it was, like, stalled out, too. Yes, formulaic movies. So, now we're going to get into the whole 68 special. So, on December 3rd, 1968, there was a special called Elvis. That's all it was called, but now we know it as the 68 Comeback Special, mm-hmm. um, which they filmed in California, um, and this was his first live performances. They brought in an audience for the recordings, and this is his first live performances in front of an audience that he had done since 1961. So they kind of like brought him back to his roots in terms of the way that they did all this. Um, so he was in like tight black leather and singing mm-hmm. and playing his guitar mm-hmm. and like very like uninhibited like he was um in those early days um and they also brought in his original band and they let him sing like gospel music and his old hits and things like that so the director and co-producer um steve bender and then i can't remember the other one's name the other one's not played by day for my yeah, exactly movie, so we don't know him but he is important will you look up his name yes thank you um so they worked hard to produce a show that was different than the Christmas show that Colonel Parker really wanted this to be initially, they took the opportunity, and I think that this is very clearly what Elvis wanted to do. So I appreciate that they helped him with that, you know. So this is a quote from some magazine called I Magazine. Never heard of it, but they they said, uh, There is something magical about watching a man who has lost himself find his way back home. He sang with the power people no longer expect of rock and roll singers. He moved his body with a lack of pretension and an effort that must have made Jim Morrison green with envy. And then someone named Dave Marsh. Do you know him? Mm-mm, am I supposed to? No, I don't either. I just like this quote. He said that the performance was one of emotional grandeur and historical resonance, which is true. Okay. This is harder to find than you think because everything's about Steve Bender. Oh, okay, interesting. Well, there's another one besides Steve Bender. We'll let you know if we uh, remember his name. But yeah, so then that really was a was like a revamp of his career. And so then he quickly had some other hits come out right after that, including In the Ghetto, Suspicious Minds. Um, so yeah. So then he was excited to like get back to live performing after that. 
Um, and after the comeback special, he had offers coming in from around the world and uh, including like the London Palladium offered uh, Colonel Parker lots of money for a one week engagement for Elvis. But of course, Colonel Parker was like, that, that'll that pay me, but like, what are you going to pay him? So just like he had pictures of Elvis. <laughs> I'm so sorry. It's okay. Oh, man. Um, 33. <laughs> I'm so hurt. I don't want to, I don't, I'm just everything. Well, it's talking about him being 33 years old. But yeah, so cute. Red and black just really. That's good. Good for, perfect him. for him. I'm so sorry. You're fine. Um, okay, so then in May, the brand new International Hotel in Las Vegas, um, which like boasted that they had the largest showroom in the city, announced that it had booked Elvis. And he was scheduled to perform um, 57 shows over four weeks. Um, and he brought in, like, lots of things that were important to him in that show as well. Like, mm-hmm. um, he had the Imperials, and which is a um, gospel group, and the Sweet Inspirations, which um, is a female African-American gospel group. And he had this costume designer who um, came in and designed his jumpsuits and stuff that he wore. So this is, like, really where we start seeing, like, the jumpsuit the, Elvis. Yeah, the Elvis that you're familiar yes. with. Which the inspiration for those was because of his love of karate. Mm-hmm. Which I love. Same. So he basically invented the Vegas residency Essentially. here. Yes. Whether he meant to or wanted to or not. Yes. So like Celine Dion does this now. Britney Spears has done it against her will, but we don't that's a different episode. <laughs> um Adele did it. The Backstreet Boys, mm-hmm. I think, maybe did Brooks it. Dunn, the Jonas Reba. Brothers did it. Mm-hmm. They all did like Vegas residencies where they just perform at this one hotel for mm-hmm. months and months and months. Or and, years if you're Celine. Or if you're Elvis. Elvis yeah. <laughs> so Elvis did that first. Yeah. Um, so like he just went on stage. They didn't like say like, ladies and gentlemen, Elvis, Pre-, like he literally just like, they start playing like, and he walks on and he looks fan freaking tastic. Of course he does. So the audience had like 2,200 people there, including lots of celebrities. Like there's a documentary I was watching and I was like, look, there's Cary Grant. Mm, oh, um, love him alive. But yeah, so he got a standing ovation before he sang a note. Um, and then, Another after his performance, of course. Um, he had a third standing ovation um, after his encore number, which was Can't Help Falling in Love. And that was his closing number for most of the 70s. So then the next day, after the opening day, Colonel Parker um, made negotiations with the hotel that resulted in a five-year contract for Elvis to play every February and August, making a million dollars a year. But, you know, Elvis only saw half that. Thanks, How much? Thanks, Colonel Tom. What year was that? 1970. I'm going to look up... One million dollars in nineteen seventy money to now. to now. So Rolling Stone magazine said, or wait, Newsweek said after this, there's after he like opened this Vegas show. There are several unbelievable things about Elvis, but the most incredible is his staying power in a world where meteoric careers fade like shooting stars. And because at this point it's fifteen years after he first started, and then Rolling Stone called him um, supernatural, um, and he like basically made his own resurrection. So. Okay, so in, oh wait, that's in 1979. Oh, we never made it there. Oh, gosh. Okay, so $1 million in 1970 is equivalent in purchasing power to about $7,636,881.44 today. That's insane. So, he basically would, he was making the equivalent of, like, almost $8 million. That's insane. Okay, so between, like, the Vegas engagements, he was touring a lot. And he performed six six attendance record-breaking shows at the Houston Astrodome. New hits coming out, The Wonder of You included. 
Um, and then MGM actually filmed the rehearsal and concert footage of that opening international in Vegas show. And they made a documentary called Elvis, That's the Way It Is. And it's excellent. But during this time, he was threatened with murder unless $50,000 was paid. Um, so apparently he had been the target of threats, obviously, since the 50s, you know, considering people were writing the FBI about it. Um, but that was, like, still happening around this time. So the FBI took it seriously, and they, like, he had really stepped up security. He, like, went on stage with a, like, pistol in his waistband. You know, like, he was, like, like you not going to catch me? Yeah. So, wait, um, did they just get, like, a letter with cutout magazine letters that was, like, pay us $50,000 <laughs> or Elvis dies, don't care about who us is? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like, don't worry about it. I don't know. I didn't, it didn't That's say. insane. Like, I kind of knew that, but I don't think I realized how that because like now you get like a encrypted email yes yeah <laughs> they were cutting out magazine letters yes, for sure like you see in movies and stuff yeah um but yeah so thankfully nothing ever came of any of that but wild times um okay so then in april of 72 he's touring and i mean it was insane i mean it was a hundred and something shows that he like 167 or something shows that he did that year or something mm-hmm. like he that he truly never remember. stopped truly did not stop um, so MGM Films, again, another documentary um, called Elvis on Tour, also excellent. And that won the Golden Globe for Best Documentary Film. His gospel album, He Touched Me, was released that month, and that got him his second Grammy Award for Best Inspirational Performance. He sold out four shows at, um, or he performed four sold-out shows at Madison Square Garden. John Lennon was there, George Harrison was there, Bob Dylan was there, David Bowie was there, Art Garfunkel was there, probably some other famous people mm-hmm. that like we don't even know were there, um, and they put out a live album from that performance as well. So basically, Vegas and touring, Burning Love comes out at some point. He's breaking attendance records in cities all over America, just hustling. And then in 73, he performed two benefit concerts for, um, I'm going to butcher this name. Cooey Lee. Cooey Lee Cancer Fund. And that was in connection with a TV special, which this is like the first satellite streaming TV special ever mm-hmm. i'm fairly sure it was the first concert by a solo artist to be aired globally and it was called aloha from hawaii so um on january 14th it was aired via satellite to primetime audiences in japan south korea thailand the philippines australia new zealand as well as to u.s servicemen based across southeast asia and then in japan um it captain captain nationwide elvis presley week and it like smashed viewing records there um, and then the next night, it was simulcast to 28 European countries. And then in April, an extended version aired in the U.S. and 57% of the TV audience watched it. In February of 72, Elvis and his wife separated and then their divorce was finalized on um, October 9th of 73. By then, his health was in a serious decline. I haven't even mentioned it yet. <laughs> I don't even want to. Yeah, it's um, hard. It's hard times. It's hard to talk about. So he had a like prescription pill um, addiction, and so twice during '73 he overdosed um, and spent three days in a coma in his in his hotel suite after the first incident. Um, and then, like at the end of '73, he was hospital hospitalized again. Before you move on, yeah. Just to clarify, yeah, these are not like Elvis was like. I want some pills and went and found some pills. Right, yeah, yeah. This is very much like they had him on drugs to keep him up. Mm -hmm. They had him on drugs to make him go to sleep. They had him on drugs to calm him down. Mm -hmm. They had him on drugs to excite him. 
he always had a, um, apparently always was struggling with sleep, like potentially mm-hmm. had narcolepsy, like, or whatever it mm-hmm. is, whatever it is, insomnia, like mm-hmm. the one that keeps you awake. Um, right. Like probably at baseline at rest slept like four or five hours a yeah. night anyway, but you cannot survive doing the things that he was doing and mm-hmm. that schedule of touring and press and all the things mm-hmm. on that little sleep. And it's also important, I'm sorry to no. cut you off, it's also important to note, it's not like he went and found these himself. A, yeah. do- doctor. a certified, mm-hmm. licensed doctor was giving him these things and telling him, mm-hmm. it's fine. It's fine. So, I mean, do with that what you will, but yeah. it's not, don't look at it like a like a cracked out uh-uh. celebrity thing. Well, look and- at it as a... An emergency. And his doctor and, like, other people, his friends and family, have confirmed that he thought, he did not think that he was anything like people who were, like, drug addicts doing like on street the, drugs. Like, cocaine and crack and heroin. Yes, like, he was like, my doctor is giving me these. Yeah. It's medicine. And, like, know? doctors are supposed right. to, I mean, that's the Hippocratic Oath, like, do mm-hmm. no harm. Yep. So, yep. but harm was being done. For sure. Um, but yeah, so and we'll get a little bit more into that in just a little bit. But yeah, so since his comeback, he um, like continued. Okay, yes, 1973, he had 168 concerts, which is his busiest schedule ever. Um, and then in 74, even though his health was not doing well, he, again, more intense touring. He didn't make any official studio recordings in 74, um, but they did like a live album um, in Memphis. And then that included a version of How Great Thou Art which won him his third and final Grammy Award. Um, and all three of his, his Grammy wins out of his 14 total nominations were for his gospel recordings. His final concert, he did have one uh, one more album, I believe, was that was recorded in like 76. I'm not positive, I can't remember. But one more album that they recorded at Graceland in the Jungle Room is what it was called. So Graceland was his home. I don't even think I mentioned his home. Graceland. Everybody knows Everyone Grace. knows, <laughs> hopefully. Um, but yeah, so uh, there was one album there and... It is sad. He sounds, yeah, he sounds fantastic, but, like, he's, he is not, like, emotionally in a place to be singing, like, Burn in Love and, Mm -hmm. like, all of these, like, upbeat, fun things. Mm -hmm. So the songs on the album are, Mm -hmm. like, Unchained Melody. Like, all of these beautiful, and he sounds beautiful, but, like, it's sad. Mm Mm-hmm. So, on the evening of Tuesday, um, August 16th, 1977, he was scheduled to fly out of Memphis. I think either to begin another tour or he was, like, in the middle of a tour and had, like, two weeks at home or something like that. And then his then-girlfriend discovered him in an unresponsive state on the bathroom floor. They tried to revive him, but he was pronounced dead once he got to the hospital. They think he was probably had been dead for some hours when he was found. I'm going to cry about it. <laughs> um, he was 42. I, can't, I just, all of that, you yeah. know, and then to, I don't want to talk about it, but to die alone on the bathroom floor. Yep. Uh-huh. That's Are you okay? Sad. Yep. Okay. I'm just like, you know. <laughs> Disassociate? <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so like the president issued a statement, which I'll, I'll read in a little bit. Thousands of people gathered outside of Graceland to view his open casket, which is crazy mm-hmm. to me. And his funeral was held at Graceland on Thursday, August 18th, outside the gate. This is crazy. Outside the mm-hmm. gates, a car plowed into a group of fans and killed two young women and critically injured third, which is crazy. On purpose? I don't know. Okay. 80,000 people 
um, line the processional route to the cemetery where he was buried next to his mother, but then there was an attempt to steal his body at the end of August, which I'm like, were they trying to steal his body or were they just trying to get in there and see if there was any, like, jewelry and stuff? Like, what were they going to do, you know? It could have been either, or honestly, one of those crazies who, like, think he faked his death could have been trying to prove... Oh, I didn't even think about that. ...that he was in there. (laughs) Oh, God. Um, But, yeah, so then he, both his remains and his mother's were moved to Graceland's Meditation Garden um, on October 2nd, so... Okay, I'm going to talk about just, and I mentioned some of these while I was talking about his life, but just some other, like, achievements and awards. Um, so he remains the best-selling solo music artist of all time, according to the Guinness Book of World Records, with sales estimated up to $500 million to $1 billion. And if anyone ever beats it, I'm just going to quit. If I were Taylor Swift, because I imagine she's the only yeah, one who can, mm-hmm. I would get to 499 and be like, all right, I'm do- I will never release and don't buy anything else. No, yeah, st- don't Pull buy my everything stuff. Yeah. off the things. <laughs> yes, yes. I would not. Mm-mm. So he holds the records for the most songs charting in Billboard's Top 40 with 115 songs and Top 100, 152. For, like, albums, um, he's credited by Billboard with the most albums charting in the Billboard 200, 129, far ahead of second place, Frank Sinatra's 82. He also holds the record for the most time spent at number one on the Billboard 200, which was 67 weeks for one of his albums to be at number one. As of 2020, the Recording Industry Association of America credits him with 146.5 million certified album sales in the U.S., which is third of all time behind the Beatles and Garth Brooks. And I love Garth Brooks, but that makes me a little mad. He also holds the record for most gold albums, which is 101, which is twice as many as second place Barbra Streisand's 51 albums, and then most platinum albums at 57. Um, His 25 multi-platinum albums um, is second behind the Beatles, who have 26. His total of 197 album certification awards, including one Diamond Award, far outpaces the Beatles' second, which is 122. He has the third most gold singles, 54 behind Drake and Taylor Swift. Drake. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. And then the eighth uh, most platinum singles. There was a literal spider named after him. Isn't that weird? Why? I don't know. I tried to look it up. I'm but it look literally it up. has oh, spider. It has Presley in its name. There's also a wasp that's like called like All Shook Up Us or something but like that. But you know, that. like the person who discovers it gets to name it. Uh huh. So I'm according, I learned that from Stranger Things. Um, you don't watch Stranger Things, but there's like, you know, there's the, the Upside Down, which is the alternate world, and like, things will get out from there and into ours, and Dustin finds one, and he's like, if I discover it, I get to name it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why I know that. So it's probably some like, it's probably the science version of you <laughs> yes. out there being like, I love Elvis, so the spider is now <laughs> Priscilla's <laughs> or whatever. Um, in 2018, Donald Trump awarded him with the Presidential Medal of Freedom posthumously. Um, in addition to his three Grammy, um, awards for his gospel music, his 14 nominations, he, um, achieved, uh, received the Lifetime Achievement Award in 1971. And then he has seven records in the Grammy Hall of Fame, including Don't Be Cruel, Heartbreak Hotel, Hound Dog, Jailhouse Rock. In 1970, he was, um, recognized as one of the 10 most outstanding young men of the nation by the United States JCs, and he's been inducted into five music halls of fame. Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, Country Music Hall of Fame, Gospel Music Hall of Fame, Rockabilly Hall of Fame, and Memphis Music Hall of Fame, which, that's insane. When did the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame start, I wonder? 
Because if he was not the first induction... <laughs> he wasn't inducted until 1986. Okay, it started in 1983, apparently. Who beat him? Who got there first? <laughs> who, who possibly could? I don't know. Um, in 1987, he received the American Music Award, Award of Merit. Um, they've, like, frequently, they, I say they, I guess, Elvis Presley Enterprises, I'm not sure. Um, but there's just been releases of his, re-releases of his music or, like, remixes of certain songs, and they've all done incredibly well. Um, some have gone to number one, even up to, like, in 2004, 2005. Okay, clarification. Yep. So sorry. They started inducting people in 1986, okay. so he was... In the first. It was okay. him, Chuck Berry, James Brown, Ray Charles, Sam Cooke, Fats Domino, the Everly Brothers, Buddy Holly, Jerry Lee Lewis, Little Richard, Elvis. I'm, on board. I'm fine with that. Same. Um, so his home, Graceland, was open to the public in 1982. Um, it attracts over a half a million visitors annually, and it's the second most visited home in the United States after the White House. It was declared a National Historic Landmark in 2006. Forbes named him in 2005 the top-earning deceased celebrity for the fifth straight year um, mm. with a gross income of $45 million. Literally, he's dead, has been dead a long time, made $45 million in 2005. He made a million for every year he's been deceased, basically. So, I mean, that was yeah. in 2005, but, but for yes, him. for now. Um, and I won't go into all the details of that, but, I mean, he's, he's consistently in the top five of that category. Mm-hmm. In 2018, RCA released um, Elvis Presley, Where No One Stands Alone, which was a new album focused on his love of gospel music, Um, and it was produced, um, one of the producers was his daughter, and it introduced uh, newly recorded instrumentation along with vocals from singers who had performed in the past with Elvis, and there was a reimagined duet with Lisa, um, his daughter, and Elvis with the title track. And then in 2002, um, Baz Luhrmann's film Elvis. 2022. Mm, yep, thank you. Sorry. 2022, not 2002. Um, Baz Luhrmann's film Elvis came out. And that's like the first, there's been like miniseries and TV movies and like Elvis as a character in movies, but this mm-hmm. was the first like big screen biopic about Elvis. Mm-hmm. So, okay, so the way I wanted to do this, so now that we know, you know, like, all about his life, all about his awards and achievements. We wanted to kind of talk a little bit more about him as a person. So basically, I'm going to just name some character traits that we came up with for Elvis and talk about those and why we feel like those were things worthy of discussing. So the first one I put was flawed because, like, I know that I sound like <laughs> I think that he did no wrong. You know, like, we, mm-hmm. we're not stupid. <laughs> like, we know that he was a human. Mm-hmm. And he, just like any human, was imperfect said things he shouldn't, had a temper, didn't like to lose, didn't like to not be good at things. But, like, you know, who hadn't said something they shouldn't once in a while, you know? Couldn't be me. There's also things we also could, should remember he had a drug addiction. So, like, mm-hmm. there's that. Not in terms of, like, that makes him a bad person, but, like, he may have said some things when he or was... Or acted yes, ways a certain way, yes. that he would not have actually acted had he been in his right mind. Correct. And also there's things that he said that people try to... Said or did, I guess. Or things about his, the way that he lived that people... Specifically with his uh, marriage and relationship with Priscilla. People try to um, hold up to today's standards. Mm-hmm. And... While 100%, I am so glad that the world has evolved and changed and grown in so many ways, mm-hmm. I don't think it's fair to hold this man who died 45 years ago and lived in a very different time and culture 
mm-hmm. hold him to these standards. Well, and we also, know now, you know? we as a people have got to stop waiting until people are dead mm-hmm. to try to accuse them of things or, um, you know, or claim that they were this or that when they're not here to set their own records straight. Yes. So, also, like, keep that in mind, too, mm-hmm. in addition to it was a different time. Because of what? I mean, it doesn't make... This is just in general. This is not very specific to Elvis. But, mm-hmm. like, things that happened in the 50s can be wrong. Mm-hmm. But, like, it was just the time. I mean, yeah. 30 years, for 30, 50 years from now, people are going to oh, be like, wow. oh, my gosh, I can't believe in 2022 they were doing this. Yes. And it's like, well, we were doing our best for right. 2022. Yes, exactly. So. But yeah, so the next thing I want to talk about was how um, kind and or charitable Elvis was. He never forgot, like, that he came from poverty. And he was often, like, he often quoted that, like, you never know what it's like until you walk in another man's shoes, mm-hmm. quote. So he had, he was very close to his family and friends. He had this whole, like, they called it his Memphis Mafia. And it was mm-hmm. just this group of friends and family that was with him constantly. Like, they lived at Graceland with him. They traveled with him everywhere. Mm-hmm. And he provided for them. Mm-hmm. They did not have other jobs. Like, they literally just hung out with Elvis. And he bought them houses, bought them cars, mm-hmm. bought them clothes, bought them jewelry, fed them. Like, they, he literally gave them everything mm-hmm. that they could want. He was also, like, very generous to his fans. Um, like, there's all kinds of stories that you can read and hear about where it's like, he would just give a fan a car because he would hear from them at some meet and greet that like they were having a hard time or like, mm-hmm. Hey, my sister's in the hospital. Elvis would pay the hospital bill. Mm-hmm. Like, Hey, this is my daughter. She needs to have surgery. Elvis would pay for the surgery. Mm-hmm. Like things like that. He also like took a lot of time with his fans. And then I think this is a quote. I've read that it is a quote. <laughs> I don't, I don't know like super confirmed, but essentially it's like, if my fans want the shirt on my back, they can have it because they put it there. Is mm-hmm. essentially what how how he thought towards his fans. He also this is something that I feel like people also don't super know a lot about, but he in 1961 started a tradition of distributing checks to more than 50 charities um, a year, um, donating more than a hundred thousand dollars a year to these amongst these 50 charities, including St. Jude's in Memphis. And then he also would other organizations were like the American Cancer Society. The American Library Association, the March of Dimes, that was a big one. He raised $65,000 at a benefit concert for the Pearl Harbor Memorial, Mm -hmm. the USS Arizona Memorial at Pearl Harbor. Fans would send him teddy bears all the time, like a lot of freaking teddy bears, (laughs) a lot. Um, And so because of his song, Teddy Bear, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, And so he would then like, what all those teddy bears that he got, he would like send them to children's hospitals. So yeah. And then Priscilla and Lisa Marie have continued a lot of this charity work um, because clearly he's still he's still making a lot of money. And so they have continued through Elvis Presley Enterprises to do very charitable good things with that. Um, and then just generally as a person, um, they were in a documentary I was watching talking about like what a natural good dad he was and good friend. He loved animals. He loved sports. Just generally kind, fun guy. So yeah. Okay, let's talk about how he was uh, too trusting and... Um, <laughs> May they roast. <laughs> so first, Colonel Tom, which we talked a minute ago about how much we um hate him. Hate him. Um, so he took like way too much of Elvis's money as his manager. Mm-hmm. So typically, managers take a range of like ten percent of a 
um, artist earnings to like 25% max. Like usually it's more like 15% of whatever the artist earns. And Colonel Tom got five zero fifty percent of what Elvis made um, to support his gambling problem. He was just like a liar and a con man all around as a human, mm-hmm. like not just towards Elvis. Uh, like Tom Parker's not his real name. Yeah. We don't know where he's from. Nope. He, he's like, from like Holland or something. Yeah, but, maybe. Well, <laughs> it's because he was accused of murder in Holland and so he fled. Mm-hmm. And then was like, yeah, 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 I'm from Virginia and I was in the military. And I was right, a like, colonel. There's, there's no, no record. record of you. And no. I was like, mm. And people around Elvis knew. You know, and like we're suspect. I don't know. We're 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 sus- what's the word? We're suspicious. suspicious of Colonel Tom. Yeah, but like Colonel Tom was manipulative, and Elvis was very loyal, and he had been with him. You know, mm-hmm. from the beginning. So, and I mean, I don't know. I hate that mentality of like, well, um, you know, Elvis wouldn't be Elvis without Colonel Tom. No, no, I disagree. Because she left Colonel Tom in the dust. Yes, because that's the thing is Colonel Tom. He recognized a good thing, but, like, he got to Elvis when Elvis was 20 years old. You know, he had mm-hmm. no freaking clue anything about the business. He had he knew nothing. So, like, we talked a little bit about how Colonel Tom wanted the um, 68 comeback special to be, like, a Christmas Like a cheesy thing. Christmas. Yes. And, um, and now, it was not to the extent as it was in the movie where it was it was just, like, looked like the freaking Rockettes Christmas special. But, right. But um, Steve Bender talked, told this story in one of the documentaries I watched where they were, like, all rehearsing, and Colonel Tom's like, and there's going to be a Christmas number, right? Elvis, you want a Christmas number, don't you, Elvis? And Elvis, he was like, I saw him cower. Like, I saw Elvis, mm. like, nod his head, you know? And he said, but then when he walked off stage and, like, Colonel Tom couldn't hear that Elvis, like, said to Steve, he was like, fuck him. Wow! Like, yes. <laughs> All right, Dr. Nick, may he roast. <laughs> I hate may this man. he roast. I hate this man. Okay, so this is Elvis's personal doctor from like 1967 on. So, okay, is this Elvira like Cassandra Peterson? Is that like Elvira? Elvira, uh, the, the one that we know. Yeah, I'm, there is only okay. Well, there is okay. but one Elvira. Okay, I'm yes, just... that is her. <laughs> okay, and I love her. So, like, I think we mentioned a minute ago that like he was. He did not think that this was the same. Like, he did not think that his drug problem was, like... The drugs that he was taking were not, like, street drugs. Like, he didn't think of them as the same. Like, she one time met Elvis and talked to him about how she smoked pot. And he was, like, appalled. He was like, don't do that. Like... (laughs) I know. Elvira's just trying to mellow out. (laughs) He was, like, very opposed to recreational drugs. He talked to Nixon. Like, when he got to meet President Nixon, he, like, talked to him about the drug problem in America. Like, he was very concerned, Mm -hmm. like, about street drugs. If only he had gotten to meet Nancy Reagan. (laughs) And he, like, rarely drank. And um, he had had, like, history of alcoholism in his family. And he did not want to. He wanted to avoid that fate. Mm. Bless his heart. So, like we said, like, too trusting. These drugs were given to him by his doctor. So he thought that it was fine. And I'm sure at some point, like... He was probably like, huh, this is an issue. But, like, at that point, he's an addict. You know what I mean? Like, right. And, like, he has a disease. Okay. This kills me. Like you mentioned, like, doctors, like, take an oath to do no harm. Mm-hmm. Okay? Dr. Nick overprescribed to, not only Elvis, he did this to other people, too. An insane amount. He, in the first eight months of 1977, before eight months, uh, last eight month of, months of Elvis's life, he prescribed 10,000 prescriptions. In eight months? In eight months. Mm -hmm. 
And he claimed that it was because he cared too much. His license got revoked, right? Not until 1993. 93? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He, like, went to court and stuff in the 80s, but it was... But he he was like, I just cared too much for these Didn't people. Didn't we take Michael Jackson's doctor's license so freaking fast? <laughs> yeah, probably because of this. Is yeah. this why? This okay. is probably why, yeah. Um, okay, so moving on from that, because I um, have rage. <laughs> I hate it. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, the next character trait is classic, um, timeless, uh, yes. so just like universal appeal, like when he was alive and now, you mm-hmm, know, like mm-hmm. all ages, various cultures, various genres, genders, like everybody, you can find an Elvis fan, it, he doesn't fit a mold, you know what I mean? No. Like. There's not, it's not like, you know, some artists where you're like, yeah, they have one particular kind of fan. Mm-hmm. No. Um, okay, so the next one is hardworking. Watch the documentary, Elvis, That's the Way It Is video. Like, there's all this rehearsal content, mm-hmm. and you can just see, like, how much he cares about the show being good in all of the details. And then he hears a quote from um, Elvis on tour, which really, that, that documentary as well shows, like, all the hustle um, that he did to do so many tours. I mean, concerts and tours. He said, I've never gotten over what they call stage fright. I go through it every show. I'm pretty concerned. I'm pretty much thinking about the show. I never get completely comfortable with it, and I don't let the people around me get comfortable with it. In that I remind them that it's a new crowd out there, so it's a new audience, and they haven't seen us before. So it's like, the it's got to be like the first time we go on. Mm-hmm. So he really cared about putting on a good show for his fans. And then, talented, obviously. He had such incre- had incredible versatility in his voice like he can like be whispering like whisper talking in a song and then he can be like belting his face off and then he can be like sounding all like gravelly as well but then also like clear like it's like it's very it's crazy and so like that um I think is also too why he had such an impact on his audiences and got such a reaction out of his audiences like because he could like Basically take you on, like, an emotional roller coaster, you know what right. I mean? And he has a, like, notes-wise, like, notes that the man could hit, a huge range. And also, it kills me, and I'm so glad, but it is crazy to me that, like, how bad his health was failing him mm-hmm. at the end. Like, his body was a disaster, mm-hmm. but, like, his vocal cords sounded freaking awesome. I don't mm-hmm. understand how he sounded so good still, despite all of the other, like, health failings going on. He could truly sing anything. Any genre. Mm-hmm. He could cover any song, and you're going to like it. Mm-hmm. Like, um, of course, his originals are great. On Spotify, and I'm sure it's other places too, but he has a cover of Sweet Caroline. Yeah. It's it's so good. Uh-huh. It's so good. And then, of course, like, as a performer, like, his stage presence and the way he moved and the way he was able to um, capture an audience was awesome. Okay, next I have Beautiful, because the man was beautiful. Stunning. Mm-hmm. Okay, so here are two quotes. So Steve Bender, the um, who like was not like a huge Elvis fan before the '68 special, he said, "I'm straight as an arrow, and I got to tell you, you stop whether you're male or female to look at him. He was that good looking, and if you never knew he was a superstar, it wouldn't make any difference. If he walked in the room, you knew somebody special was in your presence." Mm-hmm. And then Carl Perkins, this is funny. <laughs> Carl Perkins was a country singer in the '50s, and he like talked about how Elvis like had everything. He said he had the looks, the moves, the manager, and the talent. And he didn't look like Mr. Ed like a lot of the rest of us did. (laughs) Um, He said in the way he looked, the way he talked, the way he acted, he really was different. So, like, specifically, I'm going to talk about some things. He was 6'2", so, like, Mm. there's that. Super hot. 
He has the best grin, like mm-hmm. cutest grin. He has the best lips. He has the best nose. I texted Britt because I saw like on my Facebook because y'all, every recommended for you thing for me right now has Elvis content. So on Facebook, a quote from one of his girlfriends after he and Priscilla um, had divorced Linda Thompson. She was like his main girlfriend basically um, in the 70s. She, there was this whole quote where she was talking about how she would just, like, lay there and stare at him, and, like, his skin was so perfect, and he had the most perfect nose, and I was like, thank you for also recognizing the perfection of his nose. And then he had the best hands. He did. I can confirm. (laughs) I'm an expert. I'm an expert in the male hands, and I can confirm they are freaking fantastic. Mm -hmm. And, like, of course he was cute when he was young. Like, I think, of course, people thought he, he, he was as famous and whatever as he was, not just because of his appearance. But I do think that was a big deal. And all the teenage girls being obsessed with him was because he was a cutie in the Mm -hmm. 50s. But, like, in his early and mid-30s, he was so stinking cute. And, like, his waist was snatched in 1970. Like, he looked great. He was a hottie with a body yaddy yaddy. (laughs) Like, 100%. I don't want to talk about bloated because he, that... Those are hard times, and we've already told you, don't you even bring it up. Yeah. But and it the, really, in his 30s... It really wasn't that bad until, like, the very... The well, very and he, end, it would know? fluctuate. It right. wasn't like he, he was, was constantly, like, stuffing yes. his face and had, like, truly gained weight. He was... It was water weight. Yes. Okay, so, um, iconic. So, at first I was like, okay, like, what makes someone an icon, you know? Mm-hmm. And then I was like, okay, that's hard to answer, so what makes Elvis iconic? So, I wrote down some things. Like, he is known solely by his first name. There's not... Right. There's no one else that's Elvis. Was there anybody who who was just their first name before him? I don't know. I don't know that there would be either. I don't either. People, you can literally say, too, like, he was called the king of rock and roll. People would refer to him as the king, and people, mm-hmm. a lot of people know a, who you're talking still know. about. Yeah. yeah. His voice was so, like, distinct and recognizable. Like, you know when you're hearing yes. Elvis. yes. No one sounds like him. And then his style, like his like fashion and his mm-hmm. hair and like the look, like mm-hmm. also this even like getting into the seventies, the sideburns, like all of that. And then of course like the way he moved on stage, um, and then, you know, how widely popular he was, like we mentioned. And then he's also so just like interwoven into mm-hmm. pop culture. Like there's just like jargon. Like mm-hmm. Elvis has left the building. Thank you, thank mm-hmm. you very much. Like, um, song titles and things like that, like it's just it's, it's crazy. Like, we mentioned the things about Graceland, which also, shout out to Priscilla for being, like, an astute businesswoman mm-hmm. and everything that she has done. Vegas. I don't know that Vegas would be the Vegas it is now no. if it weren't for him. No. I mean, Vegas is, Vegas gonna Vegas, you know what I mean? But, yes. like, would it be the, like, mecca for entertainment the way it, or would it be a desert with casinos? You know what yeah. I mean? Mm-hmm. Like... No disrespect to the killers, but, like, Elvis is Vegas. Vegas mm-hmm. is Elvis. Mm-hmm. He, and this is interesting, I forgot to mention this, early in his career, like, in the 50s, Colonel Tom booked him for two weeks in Vegas, and it bombed. Like, he did not do well. Because at that time, it was so, like, old, rich people going to gamble. Yeah. You know, so, like, he didn't do well. And then, so he was nervous about going to Vegas again, and, like, LOL. Yeah. You know. Okay, so then next, this one has, <laughs> this is my subcategories. <laughs> um, so this one I put uh, trailblazer, groundbreaking. So in terms of race, lots of people talk about how he, like, Appropriate. appropriated black culture. Um, but 
I truly do not think that that was his intent at all. It was just because he said he would say like, black people have been doing this a long time before me and doing it better than me, you mm-hmm. know. And like he would recognize black artists like. So there was like a press conference after his Vegas show, and a journalist referred to Elvis as the king, and Fats Domino was there, and Elvis was like, no, 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 like that's the real king of rock and roll. Um, so he, you know, like acknowledged his influence from African American culture mm-hmm. and music. Some quotes from famous african-american artists include little richard who said um he was an integrator he was a blessing they wouldn't let black music through and he opened the door for black music um and then al green agreed that he broke the ice for all of us so i think they do a good job of showing that in baz lerman's movie of where it was not him trying to steal yeah it was him celebrating like that's what he grew up on that's what he liked yes yeah so like impersonation is the sincerest form, form of flattery, flattery you know and i mean he truly was not it wasn't a sneaky like no Ooh, that works i'll take it right, it was no. like this, this is, is what, what i, I like. like yeah um okay so then like as a sex symbol mm. <laughs> okay so like this was this was cool so because television was now a thing mm-hmm. and like he was something to see like mm. both visibly and the way that he moved he was something to see <laughs> like it's it's kind of like he was the first one in terms of like this new form of communication via mm-hmm. television to make the impact they did because like you couldn't see hips move in a newspaper you couldn't mm-hmm. see hips move on a radio you know the example about the Catholic priest um, who like wrote J Edgar Hoover and then I think you mentioned last week um, like if he had not thrusted his hips then like and we would not have the yeah. dancing and performing and things. I was gonna that say we do if now. Elvis had not thrusted his hips you wouldn't see Cardi B's ass cheeks on TV. <laughs> That's what you can title the episode. <laughs> Cardi B's ass cheeks. Um, okay, so then uh, he was like a trailblazer in terms of like genres of music. So the quote that uh, Jimmy Carter, who was the president at the time of Elvis's death, put out was, His music and personality, fusing the styles of white country and black rhythm and blues, permanently changed the face of American pop culture. His following was immense, and he was a symbol to the uh, people the world over of the vitality, rebelliousness, and good humor of his country. So then another quote that I liked was Roy Orbison, who saw him for the first time when he was 19. He said his energy was incredible. His instinct was, his instinct was just amazing. I just didn't know what to make of it. There was just no reference point in the culture to compare it. So like Mm -hmm. there was really nothing to compare him to at the time. Mm -hmm. So, and then um, another quote was that he was arguably the greatest white gospel singer of his time and really the last rock and roll artist to make gospel as vital a component Mm -hmm. of his musical personality as his secular songs. Like, People would scream their faces off just as much for his gospel songs mm-hmm. as his secular songs in his concerts. And I really can't think of anybody else that does that. I mean, like, there's country singers who will, like, reference God in their songs. Mm-hmm. But there's still country songs. They're not, like, Christian songs. They're right. on Christian radio, you know. And then just in terms of, like, rebellion and identity. So, like, him... I'm just going to read this quote because I can't really put it into words myself. So, basically, it was talking about how it was, there was, like, a cultural shift that he helped inspire and came to symbolize. So, basically, it was talking about how he's the biggest pop craze since Glenn Miller and Frank Sinatra. He brought rock and roll into the mainstream of popular culture and set the artistic pace and other artists followed. Um, More than anyone else, he gave the young a belief in themselves and a distinct and somehow unified generation, as as a distinct and somehow unified generation, the first in America to ever feel the power of an integrated youth Mm -hmm. culture. Um, So I thought that was really cool. Some quotes by some artists about 
um, Elvis's Impact that were my favorites, which is just funny, some of these people. Um, <laughs> so, Mick Jagger. Uh, he was a unique artist and an original in an area of imitators. Buddy Holly said, without Elvis, none of us would have made it. Um, John Lennon said, nothing really affected me until I heard Elvis. If there hadn't been an Elvis, there would not have been the Beatles. Damn straight. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> that I know everybody loves the Beatles, but like you had to have Elvis to get to the Beatles. Yes. Um, James Brown said, I wasn't just a fan. I was his brother. He said I was good, and I said he was good, and we never argued about that. Elvis was a hard worker, dedicated, and God loved him. Last time I saw him was at Graceland. We sang Old Blind Barnabas together, a gospel song. I love him and hope to see him in heaven. There will never be another like that soul brother. Good cry. Honestly, I am. <laughs> um, Dolly. There's one that you don't have to say her last name. Yeah, now, um, but for a long but time. But for a long time, you didn't, yeah. Um, Dolly Parton said, if your actions create a legacy that inspires others to dream more, learn more, and do more, and become more, then you have accomplished something. Elvis did that and more for me and so many others. Okay, these are two Elton John quotes that I'm obsessed with because we freaking love Elton John. We do. Um, ask anyone if it hadn't been for Elvis, I don't know where popular music would be. He was the one that started it all off, and he was definitely the start of it for me. I remember when my mother came back from work, brought home the record Heartbreak Hotel. I'd never heard anything like it before. I'd never been around music like that, music that was so powerful. That moment, that song would forever shape the way I listen to music. Cher talks about how he was the first concert she ever went to when she was 11, and she said even at that age, he made me realize the tremendous effect a performer could have on an audience. I had to throw this one in there because I love Broadway. Um, Kristen Chenoweth said my love of music and sequence came directly from Elvis. <laughs> Maybe had the stars aligned and we had lived at the same time, he would have been my leading man on Broadway. Ugh, can you imagine? I, no, I can't, honestly. I would probably pass away. <laughs> Um, <laughs> Reba McIntyre said, I liked watching Elvis sing and act in his movies. He showed the world you don't have to be like everybody else. Step out, be different. I love that. John Stamos, you know, all the full house. Like, mm -hmm. I love Uncle Jesse baseline, but also, like, because Uncle Jesse loves Elvis so much. <laughs> um, so John Stamos said that, th I think the first time I saw him, the, the word supernova came into my head. I was just immediately in awe. He had it all. Nobody's had it all. People have good voices, or they are good-looking, or they're good people, or they're charismatic, but Elvis was all of those things and more. Tom Petty, and I don't have the exact quote, but basically in this documentary that I watched, he said, like, he didn't have a map, and but he, like, still made a trail. And then mm -hmm. the Pistolanis, they said, we feel like we always knew who Elvis was. He was perfect. No matter what kind of music we sing, gospel, rock, country, we all copy Elvis. And mm -hmm. that was something that I consistently saw, too, as people, I mean, it all genres, like, are saying, like, that they were inspired by him, and, like, mm -hmm. yeah. Okay, so then the last thing that I have is, um, as an adjective, is tragic, because this is why we, we were, like, we don't want to do this. Um, so some reasons that, um, Elvis is, like, a tragic figure, I guess. He was a victim. We've talked about that. He was almost too kind and trusting. Mm -hmm. Um, he did not understand about the drugs. Like, he, like we said, he thought that it was fine because it was coming from his doctor mm -hmm. because he died too young because there at the end he really did just kind of seem to give, give up. up and like this is tragic too that like he could have done more and I will always be upset that it's like he died when he hit rock bottom whereas others who have had issues including Elton John and Johnny Cash like they hit that point and did not die and then were able to recover and like do more mm -hmm. be more 
I think the difference there is, like, Elton John, even though Elton John had a manager who was taking horrible advantage of him, mm-hmm. Elton John still had people who could help him yeah. that wanted to help him. Well, and that's something that a lot of the, like, Memphis Mafia, friends, family, Priscilla, all of those people that were close to him talk about in the documentaries is, like, that they they either tried and it didn't work or he was just in denial or too far mm-hmm. gone or whatever or it was hard to talk to him or about. Colonel or Tom was six Tom. steps ahead of them. <laughs> yes, exactly. And then it's also tragic that, like, too much of his image as a whole and his contribution to society mm-hmm. as a whole is colored by his final years which mm-hmm. were a struggle i hate that i hate that too um i think that maybe will recede some now i hope so i hope i hope so so then some of my favorite quotes from elvis um himself i had not heard this one and i was so excited um he said this is from like the 50s so when he's first starting out and getting famous he said i ain't no saint but i've tried to never do anything that would hurt my family or, or offend god I figure all any kid needs is hope and the feeling he or she belongs. If I could do or say anything that would give some kid that feeling, I would believe I contributed something to the world. And then the before, there was a press conference before the Madison Square Garden shows and they asked him like about, you know, like what it's like essentially to be Elvis. And he was saying that the image is one thing and the human being is another. It's very hard to live up to an image. So just thinking about like that in terms of like the issues that he had, like, Like, imagine being Elvis Presley. You know what I mean? Like, can't. And then this is probably, like, one of his more famous quotes, and this one was included in the um, 2022 movie. This was from his speech when he was awarded one of the 10 Outstanding Young Men of 1970, or of the nation in 1970. Uh, When I was a child, ladies and gentlemen, I was a dreamer. I read comic books, and I was the hero of the comic book. I saw movies, and I was the hero in the movie. So every dream I ever dreamed has come true a hundred times. I learned very early in life that without a song, the day would never end. Without a song, a man ain't got a friend. Without a song, the road would never bend. Without a song. So I keep singing a song. (sighs) I'm like holding it together barely. (laughs) We both have tears in our eyes and it's real cute, but also real sad. Also real sad. Okay, so like, if you have made it through, first of all, like, let me tell y'all that this is a 13-page Google Doc that I made. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to say that at the beginning because everyone would have turned it off. Everybody's like, we'll come back next <laughs> yeah, week. Yeah, yeah. Which, like, you still might have done, and it's fine. Um, it's not, but it's, it is. So, uh, just to, like, finish it off, if you don't know much about Elvis, now you do, number one. But if you, like, <laughs> want to look further or, like, if you haven't really watched his performances or things like that, um, some recommended educational materials for you. And this is like my, when we were talking about that our pop culture recommendations of the week would be. So any of his like 1950s performances, just so you can see, like, see what he was doing, see his moves that he was making, his facial expressions that he was making, hear the girls screaming their faces off at like what should be like a chill talk show. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, um... So, and then, like, look up the Ed Sullivan stuff, because, like, we mentioned, like, that was a big deal, and, like, also it's funny to look at just the top half of his body, and in, in the fact that, like, to see that they literally were just, like, let's keep his hips out of this camera mm-hmm. shot. So, some uh, songs that you could look up specifically, Too Much, I love that one, Peace in the Valley, which is a gospel one, so, like, he's not shaking around, but Don't Be Cruel, um, Teddy Bear, Hound Dog, Treat Me Nice, um, and then, like I mentioned, I love the 1960. 1960- Frank Sinatra, Welcome Home Elvis. At least you need to look up his performance of Stuck on You because Mm -hmm. it is cute. And they did show his hips in that. And then watch the 1968 comeback special. 
there are parts of it that are weird. Like, <laughs> there are parts of it it's like, this was clearly 1968, you know? Yeah, and there's, like... <laughs> Kung fu fighting. Yeah, kung fu fighting and like because Elvis loved karate. Yeah, like random stuff. But like at least if you're not gonna watch the whole thing, just look up like if you see when you look up the '68 special, him in a black leather jumpsuit. Watch that, and then Mm -hmm. watch If I Can Dream, where he's wearing like a white suit with a red tie. No, I've never once listened to If I Can Dream and not cried. Oh yeah, no. You how could you? And then watch the documentary Elvis. That's the way it is from 1970. It's incredible. I was going through it the other night when I was watching that. If you're, like, super interested in gospel music, <laughs> not that many people are besides me because mm, my dad loves it. If you need some Jesus. Yeah, if you, if you need some Jesus, then watch the... That's a um, great way to get it. Yeah, there's a gospel side of Elvis documentary on YouTube. Just look up the gospel side of Elvis. It's, like, extremely cheesy. Like, it's, like, a time-life, like, very, like, 1990s documentary. Yes. But, like, if you're interested in that, it's good. Um, and then HBO has a really good documentary that I just watched called The Searcher. It's, like, a two-episode thing. Um, and I was telling Britt, I think that Baz Luhrmann took a lot of inspiration from this documentary. I don't, that's not confirmed. I have not spoken to Baz about it. We haven't talked it. to Baz yet. <laughs> but, We're going to ask him when But, he... like, it is the most similar take on the story to the movie that mm-hmm. I've seen of any of the documentaries. Can you imagine if we were, like, we'll ask him at breakfast. We'll ask something. Baz, Yeah. But trust me, if I knew Baz, then you know I'd be knowing Austin. <laughs> like, give me that number. <laughs> um, Kaya who? Yeah. Ugh. And then there's also one on YouTube that's called Elvis by the Presleys. And is that, that the one you sent me that made me cry? Yeah, I've seen her so many things. So, so Elvis by the Presleys is one that um, his best friend Jerry and then Priscilla, his ex-wife. Also, like, they maintained a very good, healthy, close relationship even after the divorce. Mm-hmm. They didn't even have a custody arrangement for Lisa mm-hmm. Marie. So like Elvis and Priscilla. Yeah, what did I say? You said it. I'm just oh, clarifying because it <laughs> sounds like you're talking about <laughs> Priscilla and Jerry. No. Elvis and Priscilla. They didn't even have a custody arrangement for Lisa Marie. So like mm-hmm. clearly they were communicating well, you know, like mm-hmm. but anyway, so this is a um documentary called Elvis by the Presleys that Jerry and Priscilla produced and there's like tons of home videos and they like talk to Priscilla, talk to Lisa Marie, talk to his cousin who was like one of his best friends talked to Priscilla's parents like mm-hmm. it's very like the people that were close to him um so that one I really liked for more yeah. of like a personal like who Elvis was as a person whereas the searcher is a little bit more like Elvis is an artist the way Priscilla's parents were crying in I that can't. documentary like I don't want to talk about it but also like just to lay out like the yeah. kind of person he they, loved him. they yeah. loved him yeah and then in terms of his movies there's 30-something of them or something like Mm -hmm. that that you can watch. Um, But, like, some specific ones that I think are great. Jailhouse Rock is my favorite of the early ones. It's so stinking good. King Creole is great. And King Creole is the one that, like, critics most acclaimed his acting ability. Mm -hmm. Um, That's also the movie that Trouble, the song Trouble, was from, was King Creole. And now that one's, like, huge right now because of of the the movie. movie. Great moment. Um, and then I love Girl Happy in terms of, like, that's my favorite one that's, like, the very, like, formulaic, like, little Mm -hmm. rom-com, beachy 60s movie. Mm -hmm. Um, Girl Happy is my favorite. And then G.I. Blues is really good because you get to see him in a uniform the whole time. Mm -hmm. And he has some, like, cute little... That's the one with the puppet, right? Yeah, there's a puppet situation that sounds weird. (laughs) But but he's just really cute. And then there's, like, a baby, and, like, he's really cute acting with the baby. Um, and then Viva Las Vegas, that one has Aunt Margaret, and she was, like, the closest Elvis came to having, like, a legitimate, like, close-to-his-level co-star. Mm-hmm. Um, like, which Colonel Tom didn't like because he wanted Elvis to be 
the star, you know? Yeah. But, like, because she is, like, near on his level, it's, they have, I don't like her, (laughs) but it's fine. Do you have reasons, or are these, like, (laughs) no? She just, like... I don't know. She's you don't like Anne Margaret, or you I don't, don't like, like her Anne in Margaret. the movie. Okay. Well, maybe her in the movie. I don't know. She just kind of like rubs me the wrong way. But like, okay. she is very like the closest talent wise mm-hmm. of a co star to him as Elvis ever had. I'm gonna be so. honest with you. I think the only that's not true. My biggest um, like I don't know that I could pick Anne Margaret out of a lineup unless it's the cart. It, unless it's Anne Mark Rock from <laughs> the Flintstones. You know what I mean? Sure, like, it's not. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so those are some some recommendations for you. Okay. This is going to be a two hour long episode. And it's fine. It's what Elvis deserves. (laughs) I was going to say, I texted her and I was like, hey, this Google Doc is 13 pages. And she was like, we can do a five hour episode. I was like, I do not care. Anchor (laughs) doesn't have a limit and I will talk about Elvis forever and ever and ever and ever. (laughs) This is an Elvis podcast now. Just kidding. We're talking about tropes next week. But like, (laughs) just know, like literally the other day... And by that I mean yesterday. <laughs> I was like, "Do y'all are y'all ever just like doing fine?" And then you think about Elvis, and the next thing you know, you're crying in the shower <laughs> because I have. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't know what it's like to be well. I don't either. I've been really unwell, like basically since the movie came out, and it's been really bad. Let me <laughs> see if really I can bad find this week what I said to you about. I'm thinking about trying to like fake sick on his death day. Um, well, maybe don't say that. <laughs> now they're gonna know. Honestly, like if I can, if any of you are doctors and are willing to write me an excuse to miss work on his death anniversary a week from today, Tuesday, August sixteenth, let me know. Yeah, I did uh, recently. I'm looking at our text messages, and I referred to it as. Um, <laughs> this is gonna say a lot about me as a person. Hmm. It's the same scorched earth agony feeling of like when Steve. From Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. Put his watch in Wonder Woman's hand and said, I wish we had more time. And I'm like, this is the worst. They deserved more time. And I could honestly cry about it. So just know that I'll always be crying about Elvis deserving more time. 100%. Okay. Well, next week we're going to be talking about tropes. That's going to be a fun educational, um, funzy episode. Mm-hmm. We might make a game out of it. We'll see. That'd Probably not. But maybe. maybe. Maybe like a mini game. Yeah. That'd be fun. Um, and yeah, very then, different. Very different. Very different. We're going to, we just took you to our lowest lows. Next week, we'll take you to our highest mediums. Highest mediums. Yeah. I, I'm never going to delete this Google Doc. I'm keeping it forever. No, you should. I'm I, proud of it. Like it, like it's like a. Like it's a dissertation. Yeah, honestly. As you should be. Yeah. It's great. You Thank did you. fantastic. Well, thanks. Really proud of you. Thank you. I didn't cry. Um, I did. I'm probably going to now. I didn't speak, so they don't know. <laughs> okay. So, rate, review, say nice things about us. Um in the reviews and if you're not going to take a nap and eat some ice cream drink a coffee do something else with your life um don't forget we have a second podcast look friend where we yeah rewatch all your favorite shows and then talk about them right now we're doing the summer i turned pretty and that is available on all the same podcast apps that this podcast is correct um okay next week is tropes we'll see you then Oh, Stephen R. McQueen, if you're out there and you're looking for me, I'm looking for you too. Come (laughs) find me, baby. Okay, bye.